What's up, everyone? Welcome to another Serious Angler podcast powered by X2 Power. Today, we got an awesome show for you. We got Mikey Balls coming on. We're going to be talking about the dog days of summer. But first, I want to give a congrats to Dustin Connell for winning the Cayuga BPT event. And uh, just so everybody knows, there was almost an eight-pound summertime smallmouth caught by Dakota Ebert, which is insane for that lake. Multiple six-pounders. Maybe we can get them on here in the future to talk about it. I'm sure it's going to get blown up everywhere. So, but a couple side notes coming up. The fantasy show for Lake Oahe will be live on Tuesday night. And the rumor has it, Bart will actually be joining us finally. I think it's been since like week two. So I guess uh, we need everybody to chime in and say less Bart while he is actually in because he will show up this week is what he is telling us. So um, just so you know, it is me, the captain tonight, Andrew Fall. Bailey is on a work trip in Wisconsin. And from what I hear, he bribed Mikey to come on and then didn't show up. And Deacon is up here in New York, actually, but I'm not going to see him because he's eight hours on the other side of the state. He just fished the Toyota event on Champlain. And uh, another side note, I am currently boatless. Uh, My boat is in the shop, and the rumor has it, BRP was uh, hacked by some government forces somewhere on the other side of the planet. So that is great. My guide business is at a standstill. But if anybody wants to go steelhead fishing come mid-October, let me know. But without further ado, so I don't ramble on here and look like a babbling ba- uh, baboon by myself, let's get Mikey on here. What's up, dude? What's up, dude? Yeah. So sorry about Bailey uh, asking you to come on and then no Oh, don't show. worry. I, I texted him already, <laughs> dude. I'm like, I must be the B team, bro. Yeah. Like, you just ditch out and leave me hanging. It's, it's cool. You know, like, we all have to settle, right? Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we're settling for a whole lot of nothing here. So, but I do appreciate you coming on wow. and chatting with me. So, deprecation, bro. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, we're both the B team at this yeah. rate, dude. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, he's um living his life. No, he's uh he's had a very busy summer. He's been to like, I feel like eight of the last 10 episodes I've basically run by myself because he's just been everywhere with winning Hobie events, placing top 10 in Hobie events, and traveling for iCast and work trips. And I think he's going somewhere else in a couple weeks. Like, the guy is just nonstop. Dude, it's going to have to go 60-40 to you instead of that that split down the middle. Right. No, it's all fair and game. Like, he does a lot of back-end work. So he he is the main – you know, the brainchild of the brand. So he is – Without Bailey, Serious Angler would honestly be nothing. That so, is true, dude. It, yeah. It's kind of interesting because I, I was actually talking to him and then talking to a buddy. And I remember, I think the last time I was on this was when, like, no offense, but you guys were like, like, this big, you know? Yeah. Like, it was, <laughs> I think it was like four years ago, dude. It was a long time ago. Well, I think you're on, like, in the first 100, and then we had you yeah. on somewhere shortly after I joined Bailey, which I joined at yep. the 100th episode. And we were still itty-bitty, yeah, like, dude. maybe so you guys come along with Because Bailey was still in school, I think, yeah. when we did the very first one. and like, Yeah, I think so, or just yeah, coming dude. out of it. It's Yeah, crazy. so it was, it's cool to see how you guys have, have grown. And pre- and I have this whole fancy logo thing going <laughs> on, dude. And I feel like I feel pretty important. I like yeah. it, dude. Yeah, you know, only the best for <laughs> our guests and viewers. So, for the B team. For, for the, the B team. team, yeah, only the best for the B team. I mean, if uh, we are being like 
categorically subjective here. Bailey's name starts with the B, so we could all be the A team. So <laughs> making me feel good. The millennial yeah. heart is rising. Bro. Yes, yeah, like perfect, right? So what's going on? What's new with Mikey Balls down there in Alabama, Florida? What's up? I'm man? in Florida, actually. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm down in Florida. It actually is not very good down here. I will mm. warn you, but um. You know, it's it's the same old, same old. Like just doing some fishing. I'm down here for my little uh, my little summer jaunt. I went and hung out with JT for a little while. We shot some stuff. Um, I'm trying to catch some big fish, kind of late summer offshore, and then um, I'm headed back to Alabama. And what's really cool is uh, my little brother had a kid, and I haven't seen my best friend who used to come down and go peacock fishing when I lived in Florida, like once every year, two years, depending on kind of work etc and um, i haven't seen him for years so we are going to me and swimsuit girl are going to take a little road trip and go up to wisconsin try to catch some smallmouth they're not going to be eight pound smallmouth i can almost guarantee that but uh, headline alert wisconsin has giants they do and so, we're actually going to go so i i'm a, i don't know what you're a big lake guy you're eerie and all that kind of stuff yeah i like hunting down little tiny lakes even if you fish like two or three in a day and we're going to go up to northern Wisconsin and do a little, like, tiny, you know, tiny house jaunt. But it's a, it's a tiny lake jaunt. We're going to look for some little ponds, some little puddles to drop the boat in and see if we can't sneak up on some big smallmouth, dude. Those little lakes always produce giants. Like, dude, it's fun. We have some little tiny, like, ponds about an hour from my house that put out giant fish. We just don't talk about them. I, I almost enjoy those more than the big pond. Like I joke with Bailey all the time on it. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I am so tired of smallmouth fishing. Get this <laughs> spinning rod out of my hand. Give me a three quarter ounce weight, some 50 pound braid or 65 pound braid. And let's go flip grass. Like well, that's what that's I want to do all the dude. time. And that's what's cool. You go up there in September, all all the kids are back to school. But, like, that's the best because the, the grass is all peaked out, especially mm-hmm. with the late spring that we had. So we're going to have smallmouth roaming offshore, some largemouth roaming around, and then there's going to be, like, lily pads. There's going to be milfoil. There's going to be cabbage, all this stuff that's all peaked out and growing. So I'm hoping I'm going to fit in really well up there. But we'll see kind of how it plays out. If you know how to fish grass, you'll be fine, which you know how to fish grass. I do so, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But like um, about a month ago, I just put out a little video today. Mm. Where I went, me and Bailey got out fun fishing for the second time, I think, all year. Ouch. And we lived like eight minutes away. That's how busy the, the He's got you on the B team too, dude. Yeah. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like the F team, dude. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. just kidding. Like, I talk to him all day, every day. So, like, it's kind of ridiculous how much we talk but it's a good thing which means partnership and the friendship is good right so but we went to this little tiny reservoir that basically i called the secret lake and i was catching smallies on buzz baits but they're all like 15 inches yeah who cares all right awesome and then uh I was like, we're gonna, we're either gonna catch five fish all day and it's going to suck or we're gonna blast them and we caught them on uh, chopos, buzz baits, frogs. He caught a 12 inch smallie on a glide bait, like a big like, glide bait. Like yeah. coming out and crushing it. Dude. Yeah, like, like it was sinking oh. and it's smashing. He goes, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, jigs, like flipping trees and jigs. Yeah. Like the boat's in 30 foot of water yep. and you're flipping up into like six inches. I love that, dude. Yeah. But that's the one thing, like when I sell my Triton, I'm going to be sad about. 
because I can't get a boat with a dual axle trailer on that lake. Why? Because the boat ramp is so short, and at the end of it, it falls off into forty-five foot of water. So basically, I when I yeah, when I put my boat in the lake, literally like my tires on the end of the ramp. With a yeah, but you know what I've found actually, because that's another new thing that happened to me is I finally did pull the trigger on a new boat. I got that Nitro Z twenty. What I've actually found with that is the way the trailers are. I I feel almost like I'm maybe not less in the water, but I can get on and off the trailer easier. Maybe I'm wrong, dude, but like it, it could be it, just a power thing too, because the boat's got more power. That's the thing with that 250. Like I was really surprised how much I can keep the trailer out of the water to get back on. Getting it off the trailer, maybe that, that might be an issue, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would venture to say that you might be all right. Obviously, you got to be careful if you try yeah. it, you know. You so- but if the water's high, I know I can get it in because that lake fluctuates. It's a reservoir. So right. when we get a big rain, it'll come up like two feet. And then right. in like three days, it'll drop. Like, I got you. There could be like five foot swings. So when me and Bailey yeah. were there about a month ago, it was very hard to get my boat in that lake because it really? was so low. Yeah. So, but it was well, fun. You just gotta have two boats, bro. You gotta have the boat for the secret lake, and then you got your boat for the big lake, you know, <laughs> yeah. and live in large. Dude. Or try to go somewhere in between. Like, if I could find a way to get like a 20 footer that fishes like a 21 and a half, but I can maneuver it like an 18 and a half or 19 foot, I'd be the happiest person alive. So, you know, what's kind of funny is that, like, I don't want to juice the boat too much. One of the concerns I had, so I went, I had the same boat as you, you know, the, the yeah. 189. One of the concerns that I had is I'm a, not a small water guy, but I like fishing small waters and especially like Florida. So we got all these canals. We look for spawning fish. Some of the boat ramps, like you're talking about, they don't drop off to 40 feet, but they're, they're slivers. They're concrete, yeah. you know, but they're slivers. So one of my concerns was the, the navigability and the, the, the docileness that's yeah. the best word of, of the the 20 footer so my boat is 20 foot two i would not go any bigger and in my ideal world i would have like a 19.5 something like that that would be like the perfect boat but i was really surprised when i did all my boat comparisons how um how much you know like all these boats corner pretty good when you're driving them on pad and all that yeah the nitro dude i can literally be perpendicular to my trailer like 15 feet away, I can turn that thing and put it on a trailer, like on a dime, kind of like with our 189. Yeah. Like literally, you can trailer that thing on a right angle. Like you yeah. can just swing on there and pop it in. I was really surprised how easy it was to trailer and to just cut around while idling, you know, not one on pad and that, but it's super docile. And I, and I don't know if it has to do with the way they do that cup thing in the yeah. hull. Yeah, I think it is because of how long the pad is on that boat, too. Yeah. Right? Like it has a longer pad. So it must, and I think it that's why it sits so high. Boat, yeah. It really drives like a short boat, which I like because I was a little worried. You know, you're like, dude, I'm, I can do about 50, you know, in my Triton or whatever. Yep. And I was worried about, you know, just being safe because I don't go fast and stuff. And, dude, I've really – it's been an easy transition, and that's one of the things I was most concerned about going up to a bigger boat with a Merc 250 and that, and it's really been seamless, dude. Awesome. That that makes me happy. That was going to be my next question. Like, how is the new boat treating you? So, like, badass. sounds like we're hopping right into it. It's so. badass, dude. I, I really like it. I know Nitro gets a lot of flack. Um, I really like the boat. I looked at a lot of different boats, and my biggest selling feature was – 
I had a basic way I wanted it laid out. Um, I, you know, I wanted the big middle kind of locker for all your, your day gear and that I wanted the big rod lockers. I wanted a lot of storage space. Cause not only do I have a bunch of baits fishing Alabama from going to Lanier, going to Florida. Um, but I, I also have all the camera stuff, you know, but I also didn't want to go too big. So that mm-hmm. 1920 was the juice. And a lot of 20 foot boats are like 20 foot five, 20 foot eight, you know, they're on the brink of 21. And I don't need that because I'd say 85% of the time I'm fishing alone. So that 20 foot two with the 250 was all of the power and yet a little more compact, but with a giant front deck. And uh, I really like it, dude. And the price point. The, the yeah. price point was a big thing, too. I, if you guys watch the videos at all, I am El Cheapo, dude. Like, I, I like things that, that come in in budget because a lot of things in bass fishing, especially the direction we're going, they sort of excommunicate the guys who want to just fish, you know? And I'm not saying it's a inexpensive boat because it's still expensive, but when you dark tone price points on the basic boat and then all the little fishability things you want to add on, Dude, it, it gets expensive quick. And this was a way to start off with a, a decent base and then do all the things that, that I felt I needed to be successful on the water. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you did your entire series, right, where you basically previewed yep. every single boat. So, like, this is a personal question. If you didn't go with the Nitro, what would have been your second choice? So I really like the Falcon, um, and I am a little biased because I've been in it more than just the the simple boat walkthrough videos that I did. Uh, JT has one, so I'm always filming him in that. Uh, it has a super large deck. Uh, the storage is is very broad. The only thing that's weird is the rod lockers. They go like that. They but go straight up, got, right? Yeah. yeah, dude. I kind of got used to that, um, it, but I like – I look at a Falcon as sort of the new school Ranger. Um, it has a lot of the same features, but a lower gunnel, just giant. I think it's like a hundred inches, dude. And once again, the, the one he had, he, he actually has the new one, the bigger one, but it's like the F 20. And I think it comes in at like 20 foot two again with the two fifty. Yeah. So I really like that one. It had the toggle switches, which were old school, but they're super reliable. Um, the other one that I really liked, if I'm being honest, is the Skeeter. I like how they're a lot like nitro in the sense not actually not like nitro, but they, they offer a lot of gradients. You know, they have their two different lines. I think it is. You have your, your affordable blue collar line and then your high end. Um, But the way you can tweak those boats and and do the add-ons and stuff, there's a lot of options and the base boat is is a sweet boat. We don't see many of those in Florida. And I really wish we did because it's, it's a great boat for Florida. I'm, I'm making no judgments on Yamaha, but I've always had a Mercury. So that's one thing that made me slightly uncomfortable. Um, I wasn't used to that motor. I'm more comfortable with the Mercury stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing that kind of pushed me away a little bit. Well, I think when it comes to boat shopping, right, you have your preferences. And the more you ride in boats, you understand and yeah. feel for them and you can drive them. So, like, personally for me, I've I've had Yamahas and Evinrude and Johnsons, right? So I've never had a Merc. And all of my really good friends that I talk to that run bass boats all run shows. And I've okay. never seen them have issues, like, ever with the show. They're good motors, dude. They're they're incredible. Like, Destin Marion is one of my best friends. He was on the Elite Series the last two years. And my buddy Jeff, they both have 21 PHXs. You want to talk about a big boat? Yeah. That is a battleship. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's incredibly riding. But I mean, when you start seeing boat prices at a hundred grand, 
like dude. without stuff on them, like yeah. I shed a tear. It's terrifying. Yeah, dude. Well, and I don't want to get too off shooting, but I mean that's why kayaking such a big deal. Yeah. Um, that's why you see a lot of these guys going with you know the, these customized John boats. Which little throwback to your earlier thing. One of my goals down the line, if I can you know generate enough income, it's it's all a slow process. But I would like to have two boats. You know, a lot of Florida guys have a saltwater boat and a freshwater boat. But I loved my John boat. And there's some lakes by me that are the the horsepower limit, you know, the 25 horse. Mm-hmm. I would love to take like a 16 or 17 foot John and literally just deck it out, customize it. You can run like transducers like you have on your bass boat and just switch your units out between the two and have like a little John boat that that I can put in some naughty places or some of these horsepower restricted things, kind of like the lake you're talking about. I think that would be super cool, dude. Absolutely. I've always thought about that too. Like we have a couple lakes in our area that are 9.9 horsepower yep. restricted and they have ungodly giant fish in them and they yeah. get no pressure and it's I wish I could get my boat in there. <laughs> exactly. And dude, the reality is like, you don't even need a nine, nine, like with the lithium batteries we have and like how cheap the little, like the, I don't even know what they're called now, but like the Enduro, you know, the yeah. old Dakota, like, dude, you could put like a hundred pound thrust, like Enduro on the back with like a lithium 24 volt set, still have your trolley on the front or just run the trolley off the, uh, like on your, with, I don't know if you got Lorance stuff, but on my Lorance with the ghost, I can run the ghost off my graph. Yeah. So I could be sitting on a cooler in the back, driving around, run an active target off the front and like still go like four or five mile an hour. dude. Oh yeah. That ghost is insane. Especially yeah. if you put in a 36 volt system on the yeah. Jumbo, you're never running out of battery juice. Exactly. Never. Dude. So there's some cool little electric options. It'd be something. It'd be a real cool video series too. I think what's his name? He's a super cool dude. Out of, I think he's like Maryland. Um, oh, what the hell's his name? He comes down here. He's he was one of the the mystery tackle box guy. I don't know. He runs a John boat though. Like yeah. super OG guy. But dude, the customization that he's done with that is insane, dude. Yeah, we got a couple guys up here that have like rigged out like old like 1970 deep fees where they basically like cut the top off and just put like a bass fishing platform. And the one guy has like four HDS 12s, a ghost, like insane. And he freaking rocks them. Yeah. (laughs) Well, dude, one of my original boats, if you like YouTube, ironically, doesn't show the old videos usually, but my original boat that was mine, other than one other than the one that I rented was a 16 foot 1977 John that I put a freaking tiller 35 on and I built a PVC structure. So I had like a freaking seven and a half, eight foot deck on the front, dude. It was badass, man. Heck yeah. That's awesome. I love that stuff. It's so cool to see people do that. Like it's fun. It, it takes me back to like grassroots fishing, me growing up exactly. learning how to fish. Like exactly. I used to go out with my neighbor all the time in a little like basically dinghy boat in Lake Erie and catch smallies on it with, with a trolling yes. motor and a five horsepower God, motor. Man. Take two hours to get there, but once you got there, you got them. So, <laughs> it's incredible. So like as we kind of hop along here, like how is the YouTube business treating you currently before we get into the main topic of the episode? You know, it's always a struggle. Well, I guess I should say it like this. I love making the videos. And I, even if I was getting zero views, maybe if I wasn't getting zero views, but like 
I would I would make the videos no matter what. I yeah. love capturing that experience because it's something that like I cherish. And the original concept behind the videos was like a fishing log, you know. And now they're more fancy. They're they're vloggy. They're tip videos and stuff. But in the end, uh, the very base of it, the essence was there's so much more information packed into a video versus trying to write down in a log, you know. So I can go back and look at some of that stuff, see what the fish were doing, but. It, it, it's been kind of tough for some of those guys who've been doing it for years. Um, YouTube has changed some things and it reduces our, our view counts. Um, it sort of hits on some of what I think like it goes against some of the grassroots stuff. It, unless you're being super clickbaity, you're, you're doing crazy stuff all the time. You're getting Got arrested or almost it, arrested. Exactly. Dude. <laughs> and, and, you know, I play around with some of that stuff too, to, to make sure that YouTube, you know, dishes out, like disseminates the content. But it's it's a game. It's frustrating, but it's also very rewarding at times. And, and I like doing it. Like it, that, that's just the reality. And that might be my downfall, dude. Is, is I like making the vids. I like interacting, dude. It's such a cool experience to roll up to a boat ramp and have some dude come up to you and be like, "Hey, dude, I watched the videos." And then you sit there and you bullshit for a while, you know, like talk about what they're doing, what they're fishing. Maybe they pulled a tip off the video and then they throw me a tip, you know, that I can use in a video moving forward. Um, that sort of like camaraderie and fellowship has been a, a real cool thing. And the channel is growing, dude. Um, I don't know if I'll ever hit a hundred K. That would be, that's kind of my, my one little golden goal. If I could hit a hundred K subscribers on a personal level, that's something where I can be like, you know what? I've done this for, I think it's 12 years now, dude. It's like, you know, I'm not big time, but it, it, the process has finally kind of culminated in, in this this sort of end game, you know? Yeah. So it, it's been cool, dude. And, and I ain't going anywhere. Hey, you got to love what you do to, in order to do it. So yeah, we are back to make a lot more money cliches. doing other shit. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, so like the whole guiding life, right? It's not a very prosperous life. It's, yes. um, you have to love it in order to do it. So it's rewarding, but not yeah. prosperous. Exactly. And, that's, and then that's the key. But I think that's the deal with a lot of this stuff. These are all our passion projects. And we're very fortunate to be able to participate, um, uh, contribute and do something that, that we love. And what a lot of guys don't see is the amount of infrastructure, the amount of moves, the manipulating systems that we had to do in order to sort of get to where we're at. And, and I think that's really something that we all kind of like hold, you know, like very dear. Like it, it's a process to get there. It's, it takes a lot of work. And but once you get there, dude, you got to say, hey, like I went through this process. I'm doing what I love to do. I'm a part of this scene. And it's a cool place to be in, dude. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, I mean, this is where I give Bailey a ton of credit. He's put like hundreds of hours into like learning yeah. and talking <clears throat> and networking with everybody. Right. And if you, I don't know if you follow his personal YouTube page that he started yeah, being the fish one, it like yep. exploded overnight so quick to a thousand, yeah. but I like good. I am so happy for him. Like the oh, he deserves it. He's been yeah. grinding. Well, me and you were talking about yeah. before we four went years. on I think it's yeah, about four dude, years now. That when I first came on, Bailey's in college, dude. It's like this little. He's like, "Hey, bro, you want to you want to come on my podcast?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, dude!" Yeah. You know, and it's now you got all these fancy logos and stuff. So <laughs> it's it's cool. Dude. It takes a lot of work, but like, I don't know. It, it's a cool deal, dude. Gratifying and, cool. and rewarding. It is rewarding, dude. And that's the thing. Sometimes 
like we all get pounded on, whether you're fishing weekend derbies, whether you're just fishing for fun, whatever, whether you're trying to do YouTube stuff, social media, like it's always a grind, dude. And and really like a lot of us grassroots guys are always the ones getting stepped on, the ones getting pounded on. So sometimes you got to step back and be like, I did that. You know, I, whether it's freaking blown up viral video or whether it's just like you whacking a giant bag, even if it didn't get the views or whatever you wanted it to get. You're like, I did that. I took the time. I invested my time capital, my passion into creating that. And I did that. And you know what? It's pretty damn good. dude. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's um, it's impressive. The run that you're on it's probably what, 10, 11 years now. Right. Like I remember dude, the old wow. Bass Tracker videos. And yeah, dude. Yeah. And, so- and that's what you know, that's a great example, Andrew. Like sometimes I get frustrated with where I'm at because I'd like to be more forward. I'd like to I'd like to have grown more. I'd like to have gotten more views or something along those lines. And like, dude, literally, I need to like punch myself in the face. And I step back and I look in the driveway and I'm like, Dude, I got a new boat literally five, six years ago. I never imagined I would have a new boat and I have a new boat. And there's a lot of factors that went into that. But like part of that is is the work that I put in and like the time, all this time where I thought, man, this is going nowhere. This is frustrating. What the hell am I doing? Like those things you need to sort of dwell on and take in and really take stock of sometimes because that's what motivates you to then keep going and do more of the grinding, do more of the, the slaving along, dude, to just to just push it forward because things do gradually come along. Well, I think that's a great point, too, is if we can find acceptance in what we have, aren't we prosperous in life as opposed to the monetary acceptance? Right. So we're we're technically more rewarded than we would be if we were just making all this money doing something we didn't love. I don't know. I'll take all the money, dude. Would you? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> so, like, but like, what do you? What can you buy with more money? Cool sports cars, more boats. But by earning all that money and working so hard to make all that money, right? Some people get lucky and win the lottery. But if you work really hard to make money all of your life, you're yeah. missing out on a lot of fundamental grassroots stuff that ultimately is what makes people happy. It's so. funny you say that too, because in the past, I think it's been about the past year. Um, I've really kind of stepped back from myself and thought about maybe I'm getting older and I'm, you know, <laughs> wiser. <starting> to, <laughs> wiser. Yeah. But I step back and I'm like, what do I value? You know, like what, what actually, you know, I'm working all the time. I'm doing all this. When do I actually like smile about something? And like, I'm like, dude, when I'm on the water, even if it's a total shit day, like I literally take moments out there and I'll stop and I'll be like, I, and it's so lame too. It's like millennial lame, like great participation might kind of, but yeah. it's like, <laughs> I love being out here, dude. Yeah. And I, I like, I'll look at the tree line. I'll look at the sunrise. I'll look at the water just rippling, you know, things that would like B-roll, dude. I'll yeah. just look at that and take it in and be like, this is what I like to do. This is where I like to be. And so I've kind of, I, I work a ton, like outside, I don't do YouTube full time. Like a lot of these guys, I do a lot of uh, contract social media work where I, you know, create stuff, videography, all, I do a million different things actually. But what, what I've been trying to do lately is I'm like, what do I like? What do I want to do more of? 
And, and it really turns back to the video stuff. I want to make that successful. It doesn't need to be insanely like blow up, but I want to do more of that. And the cool result of that has been indirectly, I've been fishing more and making more videos. And actually the videos have been more successful. And so there's something to be said for sort of doing like a self inventory and, and looking at that and saying, I'm not going to be a millionaire, but what will make me feel like a millionaire? Kind of okay. like what you're saying, you yeah. know? And, and that's kind of the path I've sort of veered onto. We'll see where it takes me in five years. I might have to go get a desk job, but for now <laughs> we're, we're just going to, we're going to full send, right? You're going to be, people are going to be calling Geico insurance agency and say, hello, this is Mikey. <laughs> you got a boat? You need yeah. a boat insurance, bro? So we got a boat, man. I like boats. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. So let's digress here and we're going to hop into the dog days of summer in Florida. Okay. It's hot. New York, it's hot, right? So we're going to dive into your top five lures slash presentations of the dog days of summer. We're going to go backwards from five to one. So hit everyone with your fifth favorite presentation fifth of the favorite. summer. So I, I'll say it's my fifth favorite, not because it's I don't like doing it, but it doesn't work all the time. So it's kind of a hit or miss deal. And it's something that I'm doing in Florida right now. And that's chasing bait. So what happens is, you know, you get these offshore bites like in, in the early kind of post spawn into the middle of summer. And you can catch them on ledges on various sort of variations of that that theme, you know, pods of fish, schools of fish. But gradually, as summer gets later, those jokers tend to become more pelagic. I guess mm -hmm. your fish are kind of always pelagic, but it, a lot of the largemouth become a little more pelagic versus structure-oriented. You still catch some on brush piles, on ledges, and stuff like that, but they're not as thick, whether it's because they're beat up or because there's a seasonal change gradually happening. So it's actually what I did today. Um, I chase bait. And I do that with a variety of different presentations. So this might cover a few of our, our top five, but like a hair jig, um, a swim bait, oftentimes like a, a blade swim bait, you know, maybe like an underspin style swim oh, bait. Like a magnum one, like a six inch paddle six tail. Six inch. Sometimes I'll go down to the micro kytex. Um, as we get later in the season, I'll kind of downsize um, as we get towards fall. But like things along those lines that, that I'm casting and reeling, but really the a scrounger head's another example. The, the key to them is they, they ride up. You're not, you're not structure oriented. You're not bottom oriented. You're upward oriented. A rig, you know, becomes more and more of a player later in, in the fall. Um, so I'll actually like basically idle scan for bait, you know, whether that's on a flat um, up shallow, whether that's like today where I'm in 30 feet of water over like mud bottom, even like they don't even care because they're not relating to the bottom. They're relating to bait. Um, and I'll look for bait pods and not even see fish. And then it's getting out the active target, getting out your forward facing sonar. And that's when I'm more looking for fish. I'm looking for pods of bait that are so dense that either one, I can't see the bass in them or they're so dense because there's bass around. And the reaction that that bait does is it, is it groups up, you know, mm -hmm. and it's real hit or miss. That's why it's my number five. It says I probably stopped on 10 places today where I saw that bait, everything like check boxes. My list is good to go. The next thing should be a fish. And yeah, I didn't catch dick. So like, that's kind of the game you play. But the funny part is, is I had near 30 pounds today, but I think I caught seven fish in nine hours. Yeah, so brutal day. 
But yeah, it's it brutal, but it, it was rewarding. The other part is too, is like I stopped back on the places where I actually got a, those few bites. And dude, compared to what time did I start? 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock. When I got back and did my my kind of recircle to where I marked bait, there's nothing there. Because huh? so, that bait moves so much. It moves, dude. You're and not even within 150, 200 yards, you know? Yeah. So um, it's very timing oriented. It's very hit or miss. It's it's freaking lotto, dude. So that's yeah. probably my number five. How many times have you gone out there and you're like, I'm going to chase bait today and you just can't find it? Actually, that's I've been in Florida for about a week and a half, and that was my first week. I literally got here, and I don't know what the hell I was doing wrong. I lost like 33 pounds of fish, you know, fishing a swim bait, doing the bait deal. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to F them up. Like, I'm going to take it to town, you know? And um, I went back out the next like three or four days, and I idled looking for the same stuff. And, dude, I never found it. Like, the bait went – a lot of times, at least what I'm chasing is is high bait. So it's, it might be touching the bottom, but it goes super high. Like it, it really stacks up and gets super dense or little balls that are like five to 10 foot off the bottom, but super tight. And dude, all I would see is like fuzz on the bottom and, it, and it'd run for like hundreds of yards. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea where these jokers are going to be. They could, there could be one right there and one, two miles down the way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so like up here in the north, what I find is it's very correlated to moon phases where the bait moves. Yeah. And what I found is when you're like in a new moon or a full moon phase, like we're coming into now, a lot of times that bait will actually get in the grass. Really? Yeah. So I think those bait push shallow when the moon comes out because everything when there's a full moon always yeah. goes shallow. And I, I well, found bait, all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I find the bait will get in the grass. See, it's funny you say that because I, I'm not a big lunar guy because in the end, like, I'm going fishing on Tuesday, yeah. whether, like, it's right or not. Yeah. And when I got down here, I think we were on the, the after of a full moon. So I'm uh, like, dude, this is going to be. Today is technically the super moon. The fullest it is supposed to be is today. Right. Well, so as I, we're recording, yeah. Sorry. So I guess what I'm saying is when I got down, it was, like, not the high moon. Oh, like, gotcha. It, it yeah. Like it's coming into it, show. yeah. Right. So I figured they should be out, out, you know, and what I found actually, and this might, this is once again, like the factors of fishing, there's a million different like factors. Mm -hmm. All the variables. The water wasn't that great and the water's cleared up and it's actually pretty good now, even though it was a grind to get those bites. But it was weird because the whole time that I thought they would be out deep, they were for that one day and then they weren't. And now all of a sudden, like, they're out deep or the bigs are out deep and the bait's up high. I think because of the moon thing you're actually talking about. Um, but it's not stellar. I don't I don't know. The, the late spring definitely changed the dynamic, both in Alabama and down here. Uh, there, Do you ever no go out at night? What's that? Do you ever go out night fishing? Like So that? I should. Um, I think 100% I would smash their face. But uh, <laughs> I hate it uh, for a couple reasons. The mosquitoes even though they don't bite me that much, would carry you away down here. And then the other thing is uh, I can't shoot video. And literally, yeah, dude, like, you know, I am religious about the content. And um, if I'm not getting content, I'm not being successful. That's my tournament fishing, I guess you could say. Yeah. You know, like that. that's my, my, my gradient for today was a successful day. Today was I just wasted twelve hours of my life, and I'm never going to get it back. You know, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I uh, I feel those pains, and 
like for me, I love tournament fishing, and I've only fished three this year, and it's slightly tearing me up on the inside. But right. I also love like switching roles and filming content more, taking people fishing, yeah. watching people catch giant fish. That is so like gratifying. It's crazy. It's but- fun, man. I'm not gonna lie. Like I took the leap in 2012. We talked about it before we started. I was making no money. I took the leap to work for myself. And it was scary. And I had to make a choice between do I want to shoot videos or do I want to to fish derbs? Because I don't I can't spend the $60 for the weekend derb. Like I just I don't have it right now. Mm -hmm. And I took the took the leap to to just shoot the video. And I I like that. Like it's been it sets up a different sort of parameters or or stipulations of success. You know, it's very different from tournament fishing, but it's the same concept in the sense of I need to execute on, on X, Y, and Z, and it might not work, but that's what I think is the best opportunity to get the content that I need. And, you know, in a tournament, it would be, I'm going to hit X, Y, and Z spot in in X, Y, and Z way to try to get the biggest bag of fish. So there's a lot of um, similarities to it, you know, in, in the process. So I don't know, that's kind of how I, I, I do my days and it is cool because it's a different challenge all the time, just like yeah. tournament fishing. Yeah. And then like also if you think about when you're filming, you don't have to be so tied down into like one specific pattern or thought on that day, right? Like you can go out and just be like, you know what? Screw it, let's scrap it. The camera's rolling, let's just wild card and see what happens. And then all of a sudden you run into something because you're not so yeah. tied down into it like That's I true. gotta catch five fish, the five biggest fish I can. When you're just out there filming, it's not for fun, it's for work. But when you're out there filming, you can be like, you know what? We need to figure out something else. But because it's not in that tournament setting, if it doesn't work today, you could always go back tomorrow and do it. Right. So you have more leniency when it comes to that. In I would disagree with that. Maybe. <laughs> like This is me me rambling and thinking. So, so. one of the things that, that I, I don't want to – so it's this fine line when it comes to the videos. I don't want to always drive a narrative because I think that's that's faux. It's 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 sort of it's manipulated, you know. But at the same time, I do want to frame things up in a in a manner that that people can digest them, you know. So there is always a challenge to. I, I got to use the word narrative, even though that's not the one I want to use to create a narrative. It may be more in the sense of a story or, but oftentimes it's in the sense of a pattern so that there's something that's very tangible and formed up that, that a viewer can get out. And even for me personally, that I can get out, like, what did I learn? And that's what it becomes. It's not about the big bag. It's, it's sort of, what is the, the sort of, um, what's the the topic sentence? Like if you're writing like a paper, like an essay, what's the topic sentence of today that that, that I can get out? So that is where it's challenging because then I need to build footage and and, um, various components around that in order to sort of, because dude, I can shoot my mouth off for hours, but in the end, like it's words getting thrown at you. So in order to do that in a more digestible fashion, I need to do it in in the in pictures and video. So anything that I say, I need to make sure that I've captured it and framed it up in in an in a in appearance in a video clip, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, like today, today was a hair jig day. 
So I need to make sure I'm getting the graph pictures of how the bait's set up, how, how they're clouded up, how this is the right bait, this is the wrong bait, how my setup is, you know, all these components to sort of build that framework so that when somebody watches it, they're not just like, I just watched a fishing video. They're like, dude, I want to try that on my lake. And now I have all the tools so that I can do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm sure too, like, to where you are from now and then if we step back 10 years right these are all things that you've kind of put <laughs> together over time to get to where you yeah, are because i just sent it back up, yeah you just went fishing just sent it. <laughs> and you know sometimes i do that too that's been one thing we're talking about having fun with the videos so one thing i've been doing this past year that i've really enjoyed is is diversifying the videos so yeah. you know we'll shoot if i got some cool tip video like about something that's working seasonally, dude, blast it out. If I get a new toy, freaking do a little review, blast it out. Dude, I'll take swimsuit girl out, bust her balls, go try to catch some fish, put the video out. You know, we hung out with monster bass guys. They came down and did a shoot on Gunnersville. Alex Rudd, you said yeah. you love Alex. So, yeah. dude, hanging out, like we caught fish and stuff, and I filmed the fish. The best part was just hanging out and giving Alex shit about his beard, dude. So like <laughs> I've really tried to shoot some some different genre videos. And what's funny is is I started doing it to for like the audience, you know, for people watching the vid. And in the end, I'm doing it for me because it's fun, yeah. dude. Like shooting different kinds of things and like just different opportunities and capturing those different kind of interactions and stuff. It's been a lot of fun, dude. And it's made making the videos. I think I'm a lot, I'm grinning a lot more when I'm making the videos and, right. and that's because of the process that I'm going yeah. through. So you're you're finding, you're almost finding like the happy median where you need to be. Exactly. Content created. So, but before we get even oh, further yeah. down the rabbit hole, right? Yeah. Let, let's hone in. Digress. Number four. What is Number the four. fourth thing? Yeah, you're going to grind me through these. <laughs> yeah. So, so number four I'll do because I, I actually hate it, but I don't mind it because I kind of like it, but I don't like it. So <laughs> it's worm fishing, dude. Like get out. A lot of guys throw a 10 inch ribbon tail. I try to be a little different. I put a freaking stick bait, like a gambler ace or a gambler fat ace, depending on depth, anywhere from a three sixteenths to a five sixteenths. And I'll fish a five sixteenths down to like 25 foot if yeah. there's no current, but Texas rig, 15 pound fluorocarbon, drag it around. And and it's not fishing for fish you see on your graph. You can, and, and there's opportunities like that, but it's it's fishing, dude. Like the fish are in a in a crap mood. Uh, you see some stumps, you see some grass, you throw to it. You're on a point, you cast to it. And it's sort of junk fishing slash high percentage area fishing with something that just works from july through probably september depending on where you are and it works up north it works in the in the south it works in florida there's something about that soft plastic worm that that they can't stand it it can be really annoying to fish but there's a reason you see old men on facebook holding up giants this time of year because they're sitting in their little bicycle seat going hey 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 skeeter i got one you know Real, 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 real. Yeah, dude. For <laughs> gut hooking. I hate that, dude. They gut hook so many fish. Drives me nuts. So it, it's funny that you mentioned that. Like, I've gotten on a deal lately. I've been throwing like the seven inch striking cutter worm. Up okay. There. Basically doing the same thing on like a quarter, five sixteenth yeah. ounce weight. Now put the boat deep and cast up on like main lake points. It yep. just where I can find the good sparse grass, throw it out mm-hmm. there, hop. 
hop, like two, three hops, burn it in and yeah. throw it right back. And I'm like, I'm going to get bit. And I caught a five and change the other day doing it up, which is a big New York State fish. Yeah, I've caught smallmouth on it. Like, it's exactly. <laughs> well, and you know the crazy thing that guys don't often like put two and two together? Sometimes they do. But you'll get – when you do it with that lighter weight, you'll get a lot of bites on the fall. Yep. So you're not actually like flipping or anything or pitching or whatever for those who want to be anal about, you know, t- whatever the names of techniques. But like I, I get a bunch of bites when you're on them and you make the right cast. Like, dude, half the time, like there's like a little group of two or three of them and they're competitive and they'll come snatch it. And you make that same cast two or three times. It ain't going to be a mega school. But, dude, like, it's the If there's juice. five there, you're going to catch three of them. Exactly. Like, and you know, oftentimes you catch the first one on the fall, dude. So, like, it, it's kind of a cool deal. And I'll tell you one other thing that you can do is I, I don't like fishing it all the time. I've done it more on Gunnersville. Is you put a swimming worm, like that cutter worm or, like, a burner worm or I forget what the zoom one is. Uh, it's uh, just speed worm. Speed ultra, worm, yeah. It's the ultra speed and then the speed. And what you can do is it's sort of two baits in one. So you, you can cast and do the drag and pop like that. You get bites on the fall because it almost looks like a stick bait. And then the other thing is like you slow roll it, dude. Yeah. So you're sort of, you got one rod to do all these different things. And especially, like I said, July through September, a soft plastic, like bites numbers and big ones. If you got one pick, that's it, dude. Like you can fish anything and everything. And if you swim it, you can even cover some water. That's what I was going to say. The swimming thing, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was pre-fishing for a pretty big tournament. And I got on a swimming the worm, yep. but not not just like subsurface. I went down to an eighth ounce weight and I went to 17 pound fluoro and I keep my rod tip high. I could almost wake it. And yep. I was getting to come up and eat it, waking it on the surface. Come on I'm down like, to Florida, dude. Like, we do that dumb. all the time, dude. It's so dumb, but it's so fun. No big ones, but I'm like, yeah. they would just train wreck it. I'm like, this is a fun bite. Like, well, and it's cool, too, because you can see them scooching around, too. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. a good way to know, like, this area is good. Drop your power poles or whatever you got, you know, and, and make another 25 casts because they're here. They're scooching around, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's something I've never done until this year i've never worm fish i've always been against it and then i was like i just bought a pack of worms and i was like i'm gonna throw it for eight hours one day on a guide trip because a lot of my clients are like just fish with me so i'm like yeah i'll do odd the wall stuff and like 10 casts in like varying retrieves i stuck like a four and a half and i'm like okay there's something to this like i gotta figure it out and it's gone it's become like my go-to offshore largemouth way to fish it's just fun it is it is fun especially when they're on it it's fun when when they're on it but this year at least for me has been a really good worm year um dude i didn't have a scale and i caught what is my pb on gunnersville and it was like eight and change but what i've found is i always hated the worm fishing like the like throwing there and you know just like you're you're almost like sampling things that are high percentage areas and what i did to sort of reinvigorate and re sort of vitalize it so i was interested in it is i was using my active target and I'm actually looking for cuts in the grass. You know, uh, I, I started finding shell bars that would cut into the grass on Gunnersville. And all of a sudden, worm fishing is interesting because I'm I'm like targeting these specific areas, looking for them. And it's not 
I hadn't put it like, it's not like school fishing, you know, it's a little bit of like fishing, fishing, but you're also hedging the technology to be a little more efficient at it, be a little more dialed in. And also when you get a bite, understand why you got that bite. So it made worm fishing a lot more interesting for me this year, dude. Absolutely. I found a lot of like the worm bites. It's it's the same thing. You're just driving down a weed edge and all of a sudden you'll see that cut in. You're like, oh, there's a hard spot or a shell bar. You throw a waypoint on it after I graph the stretch, I come back and I make that one, two cast, three cast. And then if I don't get bit, go to the next one. But I cycle until they eat. And I'm like, yeah, dude, go back on the graph, write down what time I got bit there. So I know. Oh my god! Yeah, we're figuring this out. It's fun because that's what I never liked. I, I'm kind of new school like that. I never liked the the randomness, you know. Yeah. Like, and that's what I don't think any of us like with fishing. Like, we want to understand and have a reason. Otherwise, we just walk away with we caught some. You know, I want to know why I caught them. I want to have some kind of some tangible intrinsic reason. And uh, and that's what's been kind of neat is with all this technology, like. We can we can put a storyline behind why we got that bite, and it's not it's not bullshit, you know. It's it's actually we have data actually to show like why why it happened, and yeah. I think it's sort of reinvigorated some of those more old school techniques for me because there's another layer or another dimension that that I can learn about and that, and that I can see. Uh, like even with so let's jump in. What are we at? Number three. Three. Yep. So chatterbait, dude. Uh, you know the grass gets high. I don't catch many ripping a trap. I know you guys still do that up north during the summer on some of that grass. I just find that that trap deal down in Florida, it's still decent, especially in the morning on schooling fish. But it almost seems like they prefer a chatterbait, something a little bulkier, maybe with a little wider kind of gate to it. Um, but what I've found is it, like everybody thinks of this, this forward facing sonar as they're in 35 feet. They're suspended 10 foot off the bottom. You know, you got to shake your drop shot right there. Well, there's a lot of this grass fishing with moving baits where, dude, I'll watch a fish, like, swipe up a bait. And I'm like, dude, I would have never known that happened, you know? Yeah. And uh, this grass flat fishing, you know, you get on something, it, it might have some hard spots like we talked about. But you see some bait above the grass. And, and usually this is, like, 6 to 8 stuff, 6 to 10, you know, so you have your milfoil, your best, grass that comes zone. up. Yep. Yeah, you got some space. So you know there's fish there. Um, and, and just looking for things that are moving above the grass just to give me a little more confidence to sit there and, and you know, tick the grass with that chatterbait, you know, and, and just cover some water. But that's something that I'll do. Usually I want a little chop on the water. I'm not going to do it when it's dead calm at one o'clock in the afternoon. But like you pick up that chatterbait, even a spinnerbait, you know, they don't see as many spinnerbaits anymore. And really it's the same concept, but it's a little easier to throw around the wood. And, and I'll burn grass, dude. I don't like it so much for open water fishing this time of year. But like if you get a grass flat in that mid-depth range, late summer fish tend to go shallower versus going out for like deeper. Um, I'll get out that chatter donker and, and I'll just start reeling, dude. And you, you get a couple bites, you power pull down or you spot lock. And you you do one of those segments. You make it a pie, you know, a pie graph. You, you chop it up. You make two casts to each chunk of the pie, and see if you get some more bites. And then you just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. It's the same way with like flipping grass. It's literally yep. if you get bit, you stop and you fish the same fifteen foot radius until you don't get bit again, and then you start finding the next pie. Exactly. Like, and I I know that's probably coming in here as one of your well. So that's a know. perfect segue. <laughs> <laughs> The, the top three that I do, there's really, it's not a top three. This yeah, is like. It's interchangeable. Know. Yeah. Dude. And so I, 
and you might not like this. I don't know how rules oriented you are with this, but I'm going to put flipping and frogging in the same category. That's fine. If, if I got a flipping rod on deck, I got a frog rod on deck because it, you're fishing the same style areas. It's just two ways to approach that. And oftentimes you run into different types of cover and you need one or the other. So late summer grass is high. I don't care if you're up North, you're in Alabama, you're in Florida, all the grass is grown. So one of the best things is to flip mats or even strands. Like you were talking about those little like sparser grass edges, you know, yeah. pitching a jig on that stuff, pitching a, a stick bait to some of the strands you see that are an active target, or you can visually see with your polarized glasses. Otherwise, my favorite, you know, flipping mats, uh, hydrilla, milfoil, even junk mats, anything that creates a canopy or a dome. Um, and then I use that frog too. The next one, we're going to start getting into like topwater stuff. But what's interesting is you get in some of these grass flats and you'll see fish schooling, right? They'll be blowing up just like you would like the stuff you look for to throw a spook to. But you can't because there's there's crap everywhere, whether it's floating or underwater. And I'll actually fish that frog not only in the scummy, gooey pad stuff, like not only around and in the cover, but outside of it, dude. Yeah. Like, you know, like I'll walk a frog, it's kind of an offshoot, but under a dock or open water, you know, over holes and things along those lines. I'll use it a lot like a spook as well as like a scummy kind of goo kind of approach. But don't plan on getting a lot of bites, um, you know, and it's area fishing. If something looks good, you're going to have to pick it apart to get your four or five bites. But it's a fun way to fish, you know, braid squealing, heavy rods, uh, a lot hit of hydro mats. <laughs> hit them with everything you got. So. Exactly, dude. And oftentimes the funniest part is you're, you're using these big weights. You're using like a topwater bait, using braid, and you got to go slow, dude. Like it's one of those funny things you're you're power fishing, but the key to it is is slowing down, maybe pumping that bait ten times, doing stuff like that, and that's what I find is is interesting about late summer. You'd think they'd be crushing it, but you actually have to do these power things in a very finesse way. Yeah, yeah, like a finesse way. <laughs> yeah, and, and sometimes even with the pitching baits and the punching baits, I'm downsizing. Yeah. One of my favorite, like this time of year, is a BB cricket. You know, dude, and it it has no kicking appendages. It's like a micro stick bait with little arms that that don't do anything. You know, and it's two. I think it's three inches long, dude. But yeah, they the, they tend to gravitate towards some of that. I'd say the benefit of that too is like instead of punching like a big moving bait through grass, right? You can go down to like a three quarter ounce weight, exactly, to an ounce and a half, and because it's so small, and compact, if you get it exactly. in there, right. It drops just as fast as that one and a half ounce weight with something with a ton of appendages. Or even if going not in quicker. the direction, dude. Some yeah. of that scummy stuff gets so thick. I've used a two ounce and even like a two and a quarter. Uh, but like the max weight when I'm doing this punching deal that I want to go to is a 175. Because when you tra transition into like a two, you lose a lot of fish, yeah. dude. And it's a workout. Like you need in my opinion, you need a different rod to like a crazy rod to flip like a two, two and a half ounce. And, and you start losing fish and you'd be amazed with a one and a half in that little cricket, like the stuff that you weren't getting through, like you said, with a, a creature bait, like dude, that, that joke will just slide through like butter, like yeah. done. So, and they don't see anything in there because nobody else is fishing it that way. So they're it's almost unpressured territory. Yeah, yeah. Almost unpressured fish on a pressured body <laughs> of water. Exist anymore, dude. I know, but, <laughs> but we try to be, hopefully optimistic yeah right? exactly i like so. it dude i like it so
So number one, you kind of already segued into it. Uh, no, we're on number dos. We're on two still. Don't be skipping oh, stuff. Sorry, you're, sorry, you're I'm backtrack, backtracking. Go in ahead. the end. There's like a million other baits that I kind of want to mention. Uh, I'm going to throw a top water in there, and it's one of those deals. It really depends where you're at. So spook fishing or even like a fluke. It, this is kind of. It's all seasonal, September, October. Like there's just a moment and it's like a three week period where that that spook bite and that like fluke bite is just it's dumb, dude. But it can be a lot of nothing and then you then you catch one, you know, and then a lot of nothing and then you catch one. And I don't like fishing like that, but if you are tournament fishing and you're fishing for bigs, it's what you need to do, dude. Um but I always if I'm being honest, like I'll do that some, but then I'll have like the worm, you know, or something along those lines. So I'll, I'll play around with um, being able to kind of get some bites and be efficient about the water that I'm fishing. But at the same time, have that spook ready to go and, and do some of that jazz. Yeah, I'd love like midsummer. Like, I don't know what it is about like getting big northern strain largemouth to come up and eat a spook at like one o'clock in the afternoon yeah. when it's flat calm and they won't eat yep. anything else. And you only get like two to three chances at those fish, yeah. but they're always giants when they come up. And, and that's the, the funny part about like this it, later in the fall, they get a little more committed to it. But the funny part about that late summer, even midsummer spook bite is it is literally the, according to Al Lindler's fishing textbook, you know, it's, yeah. it's probably the last thing you should be throwing right now. Like it's, it's dude, it's glass water. There's no wind, high sun. And do the crush a spook. They won't do the bear, they'll nibble at your worm. It's the weirdest thing I ever seen. They'll, they'll miss a popper by seven feet. Yeah, dude. <laughs> this big thing going donk, donk. They're just like. <sighs> <laughs> but you don't get many bites. Yeah. It's, you know. it's, the other day I threw it on a guide trip for like five and a half hours of Vixen. I got one bite on it and it was almost a five pounder. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just and like, that's what it is too. <laughs> I had that experience. Me and my buddy Donnie went, he was going to fish the, um, I think at this point it was the Costa championship. It was like three, four years ago up on Cumberland, yeah. um, which is a, a known, it's really good smallmouth in the spring, but it dude, it's a Highland impoundment, which I'm still not very good at. And like, there's a bunch of smallmouth. And the one thing with late summer and smallmouth is it sucks. Like it's terrible on, on an impoundment on the on natural lakes. Oh, it's a little different. Game. It still sucks on natural lakes. Sometimes. Okay, so it just sucks. Late summer <laughs> yeah. and smallmouth sucks, dude. So it's like, and dude, there was like some cigarette boat, like like ride up, dude. So there's like thirty five foot freaking four fifties, you know, with chicks and freaking. Right? Oh, dude, it was it was a trip. But the funny thing we found is we could actually see some fish. We didn't have active target or anything like that, but I would scan like a hump or a point, a 50 foot of water, 40 foot, drop a drop shot down, maybe catch like a little rat dick, you know, 12 inch smallmouth and that. And finally it was such a grind that the Donnie was like, you know, he's, he's funny. He's old redneck. He's like, you know, I heard, I heard to catch them on top, you know, like you just, you go and you commit to it. I'm like, all right, Donnie, like we got nothing else going for us in this life. So let's just send it. So dude, literally we both picked up. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Like little lucky craft gunfish, yeah. and we would we just went miles, dude. And like, boom, he catches a four pound smallmouth. Then like two hours later, he catches another four pound. You know, it was it was one of those no rhyme or reason, dude. Just- it's stupid. Yeah. Like, and and the ones you can see, you can't catch. Yeah. And 
but that's was the deal. And, and and I actually don't like that because I like the rhyme or reason. Um, yeah. I don't mind fishing and grinding, but I need something more than you pick up this lure and you throw it like your life's going to end. You know? This one was on a bluff all over 200 feet of water. <laughs> this one was in six inches in the back exactly. of a creek on a log. Like Dude, that's what it is. Like, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's, this it one is. blew up on bait on nothing, and I threw my spook over there, and it ate my spook. Like, exactly. No. exactly. Dude, and I, it, that actually happened yesterday. Me and my buddy went out. I literally caught, like, three fish to his one. But at the end of the day, like, he got uh, – we had one spook. He didn't bring his spook. And oh, no. He caught, like, a six-pounder on a worm. But he was behind me on the front deck of the boat, and one blew up, like, literally 30 yards over there. And he, he's the first one to run back there because, like, I couldn't, like, elbow him to get him out of the yeah. way, you know. He grabs it, and dude, like, fumble dicks. And, like, oh, dude. So it's, like, five minutes later. He <laughs> makes the cast bobcat, and he missed it by, like, 10 feet. But, dude, low wheel, like, 25 feet of water, nowhere, Phil, dude. Like, it's, like, nothing. It's, like, country roads for days. He goes, donk, donk, and freaking five-pounder, dude. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, really? It, it was just... But it happens, so you got to be ready for it. You know? you know, it's funny, like, when I'm cleaning out, like, you know how sometimes when you're flipping grass, you'll get that slight overrun with fluorocarbon if you're fishing yep. with sparse grass. Like, you just make a dumb, nonchalant cast out and, like, run it out. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you reel yeah. down, and you're just like, you're like, what the? <laughs> like, that's, where are you? That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like that guy, you know, that one yeah. dude you bring in the back of the boat. He fishes okay. He's, you know, yeah. nothing special. But he's one of those dudes where he just like, Hey, I got one. It's like, I did what you were just like, what the? So throwing his wacky yeah. Senko to nowhere land and gets yeah. one. Uh, That's the guy you give the spook to. Yeah. He's going to be your cleanup hitter. He's going to catch your seven pounder, dude. You're going to go glory to the freaking way in yeah. sand, dude. And right How'd he catch him? Oh, spook on nothing. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, literally nothing. <laughs> nothing. And, but that, that kind of relates, though, to what we were talking about is they, they become more pelagic, you know? Yeah. They're chasing bait, and, and you know, odds are, you know, I didn't see it on an active target or anything. There was a ball of bait right there. He wasn't just freaking, like, surfacing, like, you know, free willy to be like, hey, will you save yeah. me? You know, like, it w- there was something happened right there, whether it was one brim that, that skedaddled to the surface. But that's the the opportunity and the challenge of, of this time of year going into September until that water starts to clear uh, cool down just a hair, you know, and they yeah. get a little more predictable. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. On the little video I put out today, when me and Bailey were fishing, I was throwing that buzz bait. I was talking about catching smallies. All of a sudden, I'm in like 40 foot of water. My front graph electrical issues isn't working, but I know this lake like the back of my hand. Right. And I'm like, God, there's bluegill everywhere, just like six inches underneath the surface, just roaming. And also, I saw like a 15 inch smallmouth in the middle of them over 40 foot of water. I literally yeah. pitched my buzz bait to it like three real turns and i watched him turn his head and shoot after i'm like oh my gosh he's gonna eat it (laughs) i wish i had a chest like gopro because it was like 10 feet from the boat just yeah the buzz bait middle of nowhere for no reason like (laughs) dude that's you know and it's funny you said because that's the thing so i hate the the non-conformity the like the no reason behind it but i'm also i'm i love the fish so i love the weird unique experiences we have And this time of year, like, feeds into that. This is when you catch that six-pounder on a spook, like you said, over 50 feet yeah. of water. 
You'll never catch another fish there ever again, dude. <laughs> it's but not like, even worth like, the waypoint. It. Like, yeah, dude, like, but like whatever. random crazy stuff like that happens. And for as much as that, it sucks that there's no reason. It's cool when you catch it on video and catch that experience. You're like, mind blown, dude. Like that was insane. You could literally say to the camera at that point, this will never happen again. Mark never. Words. Yeah. Like, dude, I'll show you here. Let me show you the coordinates, dude. Take yeah. that. Show up. Good luck. And it's the same with schooling fish too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you'll see them just blow up and like, and you, dude, that's the thing too. Like I always tell people like a tournament guys, like this time of year, literally dude, pre-fishing isn't, isn't time to shake them off. Like unless there's some grass thing or some structure thing, if you see fish schooling, have some fun and put a smile on your face, dude. Because they ain't gonna be there at two p.m. tomorrow when no. you come back to get your like your kicker fish, dude. So you might as well enjoy it now, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, I think it was the Ufala. No, it was Gunnersville. No, Chickamauga. Sorry, get all my events messed up for Bailey. He's at Chick and he calls me. And he's like, dude, I don't know if I should catch these fish right now. I go, so what is your pattern? And he tells me. And I'm like, dude. I'm like, you're on a ledge. There's going to be 400 boats on it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Just put the freaking rails to them. Have some fun. Don't yeah. regret it. Because your, you your pattern is completely different. Have a riot. And he's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> and yeah. he did really well running his pattern. Never fished that spot. And he's like, I burned it to the ground. And I caught some <laughs> big ones. <laughs> like, that a boy. <laughs> it's like, that's like schadenfreude, though. Because you like you know somebody's going to show up in the morning and that that's their juice. That's their, their yeah. quick limit, dude. And he totally pissed on that guy's party, dude. So well, That was the thing. Like, that, that group of fish he found was literally on nothing. Really? Yeah. Just He was just like, I was paddling over to another spot that looked good. And they were literally on mud. That's awesome. Tell them to send me that waypoint. That's the kind of sneak stuff that happens now, though. With all our electronics, yeah. these folks are like, dude, we're GTFO and like adding up. It. And they just show up on this random stuff, dude. Yeah. And it's like juice. Yeah. You might want to ask them about that story. <laughs> I actually do. I'm, I'm kind of curious about yeah. that. So, number one. Numero uno, it's probably a swim bait, dude. Um, because it's a nice blend. I like fishing soft plastics, um, so that I'm biased in that regard. But I also like to, to at least cover a little bit of water, but maybe do it in, a, in an intricate, more detail-oriented manner. I think a chatterbait's kind of bulldozy. Yeah. Um, you know, the spook is hit or miss, like we were just talking about. Worm dragging is you're, you're going to cover a quarter mile in two hours, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and flipping is like you commit to it. So that swim bait, and especially moving into later fall, I can do a lot with it. And we were talking about initially water columns. You know, uh, those fish, dude, I've in fall, I've caught them down to 50 feet. I've caught them in like six to eight, you know, but maybe not on the surface. Like they're not all the way committed to coming up. Maybe it's gotten cold enough or maybe they're just not, they're not doing it, you know. Mm -hmm. And that swim bait really allows me a huge amount of versatility and, and it lets me at least feel like I'm going somewhere. Um, but what I will do is I have two kind of uh, sort of tangential setups. You know, I got my Kitek on like a quarter ounce or a three eighths ounce finesse ball head. And I'll either have that on a really light bait casting setup or a spinning rod. But then I'll have, you know, your half ounce, maybe your three quarter, depending on depth. But usually it's like half or three eighths, like a five odd, six odd hook and your six inch swim bait, you know, like your five inch swim bait. 
And, and really with those, depending on the speed that I reel, I can fish them in a ton of different like water columns. I can fish them on my graph. They show up. I can, I can, in, you know, active target fish them. Um, and, and it's just one of those things. If I see a ball of bait, um, even up shallow, I know it's either going to bite that bigger swim bait or it, it's almost, I, I don't want to say a hundred percent cause there's no guarantees in fishing, but you put that 3.3 contact or that 2.8 contact out there and you slow reel it your deal's going to load up, dude. Like they're going to bite it and they're going to let you know what's going on. Um, so that's really my go-to dude like that. It's a confidence deal, but what's nice is it's also a great way to cover water. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny how many giants will eat that little tiny swim bait. I love that. (laughs) And there's an art. So I I, like between the hair jig and that Kai tech, there is an art to fishing that. And I don't say that lightly, dude. There are certain retrieves that if you know, you know. Yeah. If you don't know, I will You're lost. you up from the back of the boat, dude. Yeah. Like even my buddy. So my buddy Jacob Wall, ex, dude, crazy good angler. Fishes the pro circuit. He actually made the BPT for next year. Hmm. And uh, he teaches me a ton of stuff. He's, he's better than me at a lot of stuff, dude. Jerkbait fishing, all this stuff. I took him out. Um, yeah, and I finally at least – not giant lakes, but not small lakes. They're kind of those in-between lakes in Tennessee. And there's one of them that has spots, smallmouth, and largemouth. And they, they kind of relate to all the same places, especially late in fall when that bait congregates because they're all eating the same thing, right? Dude, I schooled him with a kite. And it, it, like, it got to a point where he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, dude, it's this little – you do this little real thing, you know, and you got to play – sometimes it's the lighter one and sometimes – and, and he couldn't get it. So, like, I catch a four-pounder. You throw the same damn place, and there's another three of them. We see, and he just couldn't get it. But, like, there's there's something with – and tight lining, too. Um, there, when you're, you're playing with that Kitech, between retrieves and then that tight lining thing, it becomes a huge player. It's almost like spring, dude. Um, really, like, suspending that bait, penaluming it down. Um, there's an art to it, dude. And it if you can dial it in, you will get – a lot of bites, you will get big bites, even on that tiny little thing. Yeah, I'm sure Active Target has probably helped a ton with it as well. 100%, dude. 100%. Because it's it's slow fishing, especially when you talk about that Kitech on a quarter ounce and you're fishing in 25, 30 foot of water. Like, dude, you're not you're not doing – Exactly, man. Like, it's it's an art, dude, like I said. And in riding it up to – the level you need to be at because you always want to be just above them you know you know like being below they'll they'll bite but the real trick is is them looking up because they're looking up at that bait so you want that bait not so high that they miss it you want it in their face but six inches roughly exactly dude and you do that you will see them turn on it every time so I'm really looking forward to that too because when I finally get to back to Alabama um in October or so uh, that bite should be on and I hella enjoy that, dude. Because I, I throw those things on a little that finesse wire. It's like that Scottsboro Hellfire ball head. Yeah. And dude, it is a blast. Cause you got 12 pound test, arm running on eight pound to 14 pound leader on a spinning rod. And it, like you gotta be gentle because between the lighter line and those hooks, you bend them out, dude. But dude, it's it's a lot of fun. Your your drag is squealing before you even lean into them. Dude, that's I love. Or or you stop and like you go to lift your rod and the whole thing just bends over, dude. And all it does is kick out drag. Yeah. Like that is so much fun. Or dude. you're just like reeling and you don't 
you can feel them suck it in, but then yeah. before you before you even set the hook, they're pulling drag because they're running. You know away the art that. then, dude. Yeah. Because literally, you feel a bite before you get bit. Yeah, like it's the craziest. You, you can feel them push it, dude. You it's <laughs> so especially with like spots and smallmouth, yeah. largemouth. You feel it, especially on the bigger ones because they suck. But dude, those spots, you almost feel like. Like they push the water, like they're coming up so quick. Like you feel the water, like go displace, and you're like, ah! uh, it, it's, it's funny, so cool. like that that you mentioned that, right? Like when I first figured out what was going on, I would premature, like I'm like, I I know he's there, and I'd rip. I'm like, why did I yeah. miss him? Like so, yeah. I'm like, I feel him push. I'm like, okay, count to two before you set, like, <laughs> or don't even set. Yeah, like, or just keep I'm reeling. A believer in, in it's all about the rod. Yeah. You just real like that. When I put a three ace on, I, I run a seven foot medium and it's got this awesome like rod bounce to it. And even on the, on the, um, on the spinning setup, you know, it's got some tip to it and dude, I just reel. And, and usually you're doing this in fairly open water. So if something's pulling on your deal, odds are it's alive. Otherwise you hung some random stump or the bottom and you're SOL, you know? So yeah. You yeah, just keep we, on uh, reeling, dude, and your your rod just bend on over. Yeah, I can't wait. Like the mid September ish, we get a couple spots around yeah. me where the smallmouth push shallow, and you yeah. can catch like five and a half pounders just slow rolling that little. I, I love that bite. <laughs> Absolutely love it. And I'm hey, like, I'll, I'll sorry, I'll throw this in really quick. One thing that, that I've done the past couple of years, if you watch the videos at all, you know I love fishing a net, you know, and everybody's needle dick in a net, dude. Uh, the thing that I'll do is I actually have that net set up along with those swim baits, and I swim that net, dude. And that is naughty, just like a Kytec, and especially mm-hmm. in ultra clear water when they don't want any kind of wag, or if there's more brim, because a lot of those stick baits are, you know, green pumpkin, things along those lines. Uh, it's a killer presentation. I actually caught a couple little rats doing it today, but that suspended bait deal, don't sit on, on a net. Don't You can drag it and pop it, but the real art is literally kayaking a net, I guess you could call it. Yeah, I caught a few smallmouth this past spring, but like, on a out sometimes, you know how like people used to old school used to crack a tube on a spinning yep. rod summertime, yep. like big spots and stuff. I'll actually go to a super heavy head on like a small like four inch net and I'll crack in that. Yep. And I'll got some of the bites you get doing that is oh it's stupid. Insane. Like you're just the like the only oh, crappy oh. part is your deal's always sliding down, dude. Cause you're like pop up and like they I've found yeah. a way to change that. Screw locks. Screw lock net heads. I actually have we gambler makes one of those, yeah. dude. It's more of a heavy cover deal, so it's hard to use for the popping because you need that lighter, uh, lighter wire hook. Yeah, but yeah, I, that is the solution, right there, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and Bailey, you know, do it molds there on the bottom of the screen, right below you. We make. I don't have any up here with me, but I pour them all in my garage. Yeah, so, and like the hook to use for it is an owner fifty three thirteen. Because it's okay. a thick, it's a thicker gauged hook. Really? Like, yeah. So like, see, I would think the exact opposite, dude. Yeah. Because huh. you can get away with a little bit heavier line with a little bit stouter rod. I got gotcha. you. Flex the hook out. So and like, then you can really put some English on it and pop it up. Yeah. Really. Good. I so gotcha. like when I'm in like 
40 foot of water on Erie and I'm running a seven foot two medium extra fast rod and eight pound test and 10 pound braid. I literally mm-hmm. hit them like I'm setting the hook on a flipping stick and it's really? in the top of their mouth. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> but if well, I'm, I'm going to get into that bite, so I'm going to play around with that a little bit. Dude. If I'm just slowly tapping it or swimming it 53, 18 or a 604 got me 604. Yeah. That yeah. real thin wire hook. Then when I'm just, nonchalantly fishing a Ned, slow swimming it, yeah. lightly dragging it on the bottom. I go real thin wire. So. I'll have to play with that because the, the Neds I run are the, you know, the nickels. Um, yeah, the heavy so, ones. So I run yeah, I run the heavy. So JT has that JTK mag Ned. So yeah. that's the thicker one that I'll use. And it has a hook, I think, comparable to what you're talking about. But then my spotted bass, smallmouth, kind of late season, and then spring one is they make a Clint Davis, and it's got what I would describe as like the old bluegill hook on it. You know, it's oh jeez. Yeah. <clears throat> but but you never like, dude, if they're hooked, unless you break them off, they ain't coming off, yeah. dude. And you don't, you know, them weird bites you get, like when you're like, ah, like, dude, it, it hooks them every time, dude. Good so it's. That's why I love that 5313 hook because it's razor sharp, like a thin wire, but it's just right. I'll send you pictures later because I think I have some in my garage when I when we're done with this. I'll I'm kind of curious what it looks like. Because I love fishing a net, dude. And a net works maybe not 365 days of the year, but especially if you if you deal with smallmouth or spots, it does work 365 days a year, dude. It's just one of those things that that's super reliable and and I'm always comfortable with it because I'm a plastics guy, you know, like coming from Florida. And you, I don't know if you can see this. This is the 604, right? This is not a football head that I put. That's the bigger one, right? That, no, this is the Gami 604. The, really? Like, I can, I don't know if you can see it, but I can really yeah. flex it. This is the 5313. Like, it hardly Yeah. Like, I love those tiny dude. stout hooks, dude. Yeah. That's what that's that is. Sweet. Yeah. That's a. Bad, bad hook. Now I'm giving up some secrets. <laughs> no, but like, there's only three hooks you need for a Ned Rig 604, 5313, and 53, in my opinion. So, and they all have different situations for them. And I'll put them in football heads to swim yeah. at Kaitech with different, yeah. for like different situations. So, well, and that's something we didn't talk about, but yeah. you, you can play with your. I like that ball head on the suspended fish, but if they're more down, you want something more like that football head yeah. or something along those lines to, to, to so you can ride that rock, ride that hard bottom. Yeah, and, and sometimes that football head too, depending on the size of that kayak, you get the list. Yes, like it, it creates a list, and a lot of people overlook that. So, well, and if you got large mouth, you can even go to the wobble head too. Yeah. That slow reel wobble head, but when you start dealing with the spots on the smallmouth, even if you you put on the old Shaughnessy hook on your wobble head, you, you miss a lot of fish, dude. Yeah. And it, it's just it can be a struggle, man. Yep, I get it. So, well, I want to say thank you for dropping some knowledge for our viewers. But before we get to that point, do you have anything you want to tell our viewers and your following what you have coming up for the second half of the year. Now that we're in August, like I talked about, stay tuned for some Florida videos. Uh, hopefully I'll catch some more. Job. I actually caught one. I didn't have a scale, but it was between 11 and 12. You got to get a scale in the boat, man. <laughs> I, dude, it's three times. I'm going to get so much hate, dude, because there's literally three videos where I didn't have a scale. Actually. So that's something cool. I'm going to do I'm going to grab one of those Rapala, um, 
fish scales. I know there there's mixed reviews, but I really want to. We're talking about video diversity. Um, I'd like to do some like either one v one or some self tournaments. It's like here's my five best on the dangler, you know, and yeah. and that that scale provides an opportunity for me. Not I really don't like putting fish in the live well. I'm, I'm not a fan of tournaments in general, but especially tournaments late in the year. There's too many freaking dead fish and there's more people fishing. We need to be very careful with our resource, especially when it comes to bigs, dude. They're very delicate this time of year. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do that. But um, I got some Florida videos coming. We're going to do a road trip with Swimsuit Girl up to Wisconsin. Um, see, see my best friend. Do some kind of some smallmouth pond slash small lake jumping, which should be really cool. And maybe even fish a few of the old largemouth haunts. And then uh, and then it's going to be fall, dude. So it's in the end, I guess my, my pitch is if you guys enjoy grassroots fishing, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. My video editing might not be the most perfectious, like artistic thing. But if you like that and, and no bullshit, you know, hit subscribe, watch some of the videos because I think you might enjoy them. If you don't, worst that can happen is you, you give me a thumbs down, troll me with a few naughty comments and uh, move on. Love it. Love <laughs> it. <laughs> so like, and now this is like, a personal question on when it comes to like analytics and stuff, right? Like, do you, and I don't know, I've never really asked anyone this question. When you get a thumbs down on a video, does it affect you? Do you think when it comes to like searching? Like, I have no idea. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, but I'm a firm believer. We were talking about phrases like American phrases that, that mean nothing, you know, that we say. But one thing that, that I do believe in is what is it? Any press is good press. Yeah. So if somebody gave a thumbs down, they watch the video and they're like, I hate you. And the reality is if they don't like it, they're probably, I post two videos a week. They're going to see my stuff again. They might like it or they might be like, that's the guy who's a total douchebag. And they might watch it for that. So yeah. whatever. Dude. <laughs> you know, like, can we make fun of them for now? Yeah, no. I'll ride that train. Like you're, <laughs> you're never one of, one of the most interesting things. And, and I always talk about it in relation to the Guggen guys. There's a lot of guys that, that, you know, talk all this smack about like Guggen and did like they're they were kids when they started doing this and a lot of people said some some, some mean thing yeah. and they, dude they were very innovative and did very different things and, and dimensionalized our industry for what it is but what what I look at is you know I was more of an adult when I got into this stuff and people say mean things all the time like so the reality is it's just like any situation you're in there's going to be people that like you people that that don't care about you and people that hate you so i i just ride the train dude and in the end i want to be halfway honest direct um and and true to what i think is what i need to create and put out there and if i'm doing that i'm doing what i should be doing that might evolve and modify over time but that's what I need to be doing regardless of whether I'm getting 27 of those. If I'm getting guys that are leaving like trolly comments or, or hateful comments on the thing, I never like to censor stuff. I, I never remove comments unless it's like spam or something like that. Like everybody deserves their voice and I'm just going to ride and, and keep on moving forward. Well, it, I appreciate that honesty, honestly, because like we have so much, censorship right in society where everyone is entitled to their own opinion but everyone thinks they are right in every aspect of life a lot of exactly. people think that way and and honestly by you being able to accept the open dialogue 
it's just one further step that more people should probably take because the the United States would be a much happier place if we could agree to disagree more instead of just saying you're wrong and I'm right. So, well, and I'll tell you this, dude. Maybe I'm a little too relativistic sometimes because I do. I'm wishy-washy, but the reality is there is no one rule in fishing, and that that's a lot like life. There's nothing that that works in life that works in fishing day after day, twenty four seven. And and the reality is you need to embrace that discourse, and you you can make two choices. You can either be a part of that. And, and embrace it for the full discourse it is, love, hate, or, or don't pay any attention to it, or you can remove yourself from it, but the only person that's losing is you, dude, yeah. because you're not a part of that that growth and that that evolution that's occurring. Like, you're, you're on the sidelines, and none of us, at least in my opinion, may, you know, I say that with a grain of salt. At some point, I think I do want to be a hermit in some, like, little freaking cabin in the middle of nowhere, like, on the sidelines, but, you know, in reality, for now... I, you got to be in the mix, dude. Otherwise, you're not doing anything. Yeah. Like you're, you're just monotonous. Nothing is happening. So embrace the discourse, negative, positive, whatever it is, and, and deal with it, dude. I, I think that is a great word of advice for a lot of people who hopefully have listened all the way here to an hour and twenty five minutes in. Wow. But like. Yeah, sorry about that. We were only speaking for like an hour. I enjoyed but. it. Conversation. I think we we covered a little bit of life, a lot yeah. of fishing, some boat stuff. Yeah. Like we're good. Do you have like some chick in a bikini to walk across to kind of close us out the right way? I, or? That that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> dude, I'd be good. I'd be like, it's been fun, dude. No, no, unfortunately, I do not have that. Um, well, have me on in three years when you guys are like well funded and you you can have you know a couple checks on the side for the whole thing and <laughs> just like handing us Bruce the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I mean, come on, dude. You, you got to get there. It's a step by step process, right? Hey, you know, you gotta you have to be able to walk before you run. So, <laughs> I guess, right? So. Oh man! Well, thank you. I I know Bailey uh, set this up and then decided to work in Wisconsin. So Dude, I appreciate I'm totally texting him. I'm giving him so much <laughs> shit for this. Freaking B team, bro. Yeah. The, hey, you know what? We made an A effort out of it. So I appreciate <laughs> you here. And uh, it was a good time. And hopefully, all of our listeners and viewers um, enjoyed this episode. And thank you again. Safe travels up to Wisconsin. That's quite the haul from Florida. So I'm going back to Alabama for a week and then I'm going up. That's actually one of the reasons I moved, dude. It, it's only 10 hours, dude. Really? Yeah, oh. that's why. So I don't want to train wreck this, but oh, you're there, good, man. so many of those pro guys that live in Gunnersville and the fishing is great and Alabama is great for that. But from a hub standpoint, it's, it's like eight hours to North Carolina, 12 hours to Florida, 10 hours up north. Uh, it's still out west. It's a haul. But eight hours to Texas, it, it's a great way to – If you, I like being on the road. I like traveling to new places and seeing the the progression on, on the way. Um, it's a great place to be to to do that, dude, to, to kind of set up your hub and then go out and chase your adventures from there. Yeah, you got to go to Champlain one day. It's kind of far Thank out there, but me, dude. yeah. So to give like how big New York State is, Champlain is about eight hours from me. 
Are you serious? You guys got a Florida problem. It takes yeah. like eight hours to get out of Florida, dude. <laughs> it's terrible. So from Buffalo to Albany, I think it's like four and a half. And then to get to Ticonderoga, which is like one of the most yeah, southern the parts. Yeah. yeah, it's like six and a quarter. For me to get to Plattsburgh or Rouse's Point, there's no easy way there. It's like four hours up the 86 to like Clayton and then over and it's another four hours or I can go the other way. So it's like seven to eight hours for me to get to Plattsburgh for my house. Yeah. So basically I shouldn't text you and be like, Hey Andrew, what's the fishing report on Champlain? You'll be like, yeah, I have no idea. Learn geography, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. So like New York city is eight hours and like 10 minutes from me or something ridiculous That's so crazy because you know like all of us freaking flyover country people think you're all like metro dude yeah like, like hey, i'm from new york and it's like hey yeah you know and it's like no dude bro like it's it's a large state thanks but it, but it's funny to put it in reference right clayton is three and a half four hours oneida's two and a half cayuga's two seneca's two all the other finger lakes are two hours that's sweet yeah but like literally they're like the closer you get to my house, there's still two hours because I have to get off the thruway and drive all this country back roads to get there and down. So everything is literally two hours from my house. See, one day, I, I don't know if I want to live on a lake because I think you get complacent because yeah. you're like right there. But one day I will live in a place that is like five minutes from a boat ramp, dude. Like that, I always go. Like I go, I'm at my parents' house right now, and I'm like three minutes from boat ramp. But it's it's kind of like a work slash vacations, you know. Like it's a it's a it's a fun trip. Like, but at at some point, I I will be that big time that I can be like, hey, I'm gonna go fishing for two hours, and literally the boat ramp's three minutes away, dude. Oh, you would hate me. I am. So the Upper Niagara River is seven minutes. Okay, I hate you. So we're gonna pull this off on a negative. So I'm gonna create negative discourse. Like perfect. That's fine. You you can hate the hate. That's fine. And then Buffalo Buffalo is I think 18 and at like 18, 19 minutes from my house in the morning. At six well, you're living right, dude. Well, well, but you told me you can fish all year. I was gonna give you some some flack because like, well. You can only fish six months out of the year, but that's not true. Dude. No, we our lakes stiff like our lakes will open around the end of March, like a lot of our inland lakes, middle of March they'll open, depending on which one it is and where it's at. And we can fish them until about Christmas. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's a misconception that I had about up there. I didn't even my buddy in um is it Connecticut, like Candlewood and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, Candlewood stays open some years all year. Yeah, dude, he was telling me, like, we'll we'll go out there. And and like you said, it can be a grind, you know, it can be cold and stuff. But he's like, dude, we fish, like, throughout. Like, when I was in Wisconsin, that, that wasn't a play, dude. There was, like, 12 inches, 15 inches of ice on the lake. Dude. You weren't going nowhere, dude. Yeah. So, like, we'll get, we'll still get 24, 15 to 24 inches of ice on a lot of our lakes. But it comes and it's gone. And, yeah. like, because we'll go from, like, 20 degree weather to 70 degrees in like two weeks it's a huge telling me it's crazy how it swings and then it'll go back and then it'll slow everything down like it's crazy like it's very timing oriented yeah like it'll thaw for like five days and it'll be like okay the ice isn't safe and then we'll get like a a northern arctic blast for eight days and it's like four degrees every day like oh we got 18 inches of ice again (laughs) great (laughs) Get out the Prozac. We're holding yeah. off. Dude. Oh yeah, it's like I can't tell you 
in the last couple of years, how many times it's like, oh, it's going to be 70 for a week. I'm going to get my boat out. I get my boat Game out. On, I get it home. It snows. We get two feet of snow. And I'm like, perfect. Perfect. Life <laughs> yeah. is good. Yeah. Keep, those, keep those smiles going, boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Perfect. Like, like crap. Like, what do I do now? Should have left it in storage. But, hey, whatever. It's the way it goes. But, once again, Mike, uh, greatly appreciate it. I hope hey, it all I stays it. well. And uh, I guess we'll end it on a happy note here. And none uh, <laughs> yeah, none of this. And we will get out of here for the night. And I will let you get some sleep because I know you probably have a busy couple days ahead of you working, grinding your butt off. So I hope they're biting, dude. That's all I have to say. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, dude. It was yeah. good to talk to you guys again. Call me later when, when you guys get those the chicks and, and I'll come back on. All right. So in about f- about a thousand about episodes. four years. Yeah, about forty years, man. So, <laughs> up, bro. We'll all have like our walkers, like what? Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll have the chicks. Yes, <laughs> perfect. So, perfect. All, right, all right. On that note, I'm gonna close this out here, and everyone who's listening on this Friday, have a great day. <laughs>